0: Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record number 107. We're going to talk about some do's and don'ts when you have a batting cage and you're practicing. Before we do that, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus nine rocket tech save a little bit of money on a great bat, and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. And please make sure you take advantage of that EFP20 discount. The EFP20 is going to get you 20% off any Anderson bat, uh, whether it's a fast pitch bat, obviously, or slow pitch or baseball. So if you're interested in Anderson, use the EFP20. Also, if you're interested in helping to support everything fast pitch and coach prep, we would love for you to become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. There's three different levels of support. Coach Don and I truly appreciate our patrons. They are the people that are keeping this whole operation moving. Their financial support is what's kept us going to this point. Uh, but if you're in a position where you could uh, potentially become a patron, please do so. We certainly need the support and uh, would appreciate your getting involved. If you see value in what we're doing, please get on board as a patron and help support everything fast and Coach Prep. So Don, you got a batting cage at practice. Right. So here's some don'ts. Don't, number one, however much time you have the cage, so let's say, we'll just say an hour, just make it easy. It's an easy number, yeah. For an hour. If you have the cage for an hour, how much time do you want to really spend of that 60 minutes actually having kids getting cuts in the cage?
1: I think we got to make sure we keep it rolling, right? Like like 58
0: and a half minutes, 59 minutes.
1: All but the time to get someone else in there.
0: Right. So... Rule number one is when you have a cage and you're trying to have team practice, we need to divide the kids up into manageable groups so that uh, we don't have one kid hitting and 11 kids watching. What we need to do is to divide them up into two groups, maybe three groups, and find some spaces adjacent to the cages where they can be doing something else. If you've got enough space that they can do some bunting drills, if you've got a place where you can set up a bow net and hit uh, head off the tee, if you've got you know some... Uh, picnic tables where they can sit around and do uh mental training whatever it is
1: what you're telling me is don't have them all in a 10 person line
0: right the 10 person line is got to go away is a way to definitely get less done with that 60 minutes of time that we have in the cage. so we've got to make sure that we're dividing them up and so if we've got 60 minutes so at the 18 minute mark we switch the groups or the 19 minute mark we switch the groups so the group that was bunting, they come in the cage. The group that was in the cage, they go to the bow net. The group that was in the bow net goes to the bunting. Nice. Okay. Or whatever the set of drills or set of uh, spaces that you have. You, if you have no space adjacent that the kids can actually hit balls, they can do push ups, sit ups, and crunches. They can do yep. stretching. They can do again mental game training. There's lots of things, lots of things that they could be doing in these separate groups that would be really productive and way better than standing in line watching kids hit. I mean, depending on
1: the age group, even a coach working on their grip for their bunting, Right. You know the process of bunting, starting at the top of the strike, so strike zone, et cetera.
0: Yeah, and so yeah. there's lots of things that we can be doing, but we're not going to get it done if we've got one group of kids all standing in line. Second part about that was within the smaller groups, we should have um, some sort of sequence where we're not instructing the kid who's actually hitting. So maybe we have the on-deck hitter is getting some pointers before they step into the cage. Maybe the kid who just got done hitting, when he steps out of the cage and the next kid steps in, he gets a couple of pointers. If we're doing this well four kids for 19 minutes, they should get to hit more than once. Oh, so sure. So if they get done and you pull them aside and say, okay, next time you go through, let's think about getting your front foot down a little bit earlier. Next time you go through, let's think about you know, hitting that outside pitch to the opposite field. The next time you go through, you know, let's make sure we're uh, aware of the strike zone and you know whatever it is that we saw that we want them to try to correct on the next time through, so that instead of trying to instruct them while they're hitting,
1: because there's no time, no pitches thrown. Right. Well, that's if, happening. If I'm
0: the pitcher and I'm pitching front toss and I see a player do something wrong and I stop pitching to go give them pointers, to give them instruction. That's that many less swings that they're getting. And our idea of of using this cage time effectively is we want to get as many swings as we can, productive swings as we can in the time that we have. So the breaking them into groups and then making sure that we're using the cage time for hitting and the outside the cage time for instruction. So there's the first thought. Second thought is if you've only got 60 minutes, doing some sort of group instruction, some sort of group powwow, some sort of circle up and work on, you know, talking about mechanics or or philosophy or whatever it is. That should never be happening on the clock w- of the time of that the we have in the minute, cage. Right? right. That should be done if we if we need to have a team meeting, the team meeting should happen way before the we, the clock starts ticking on when we get in the cage. If that means that you got to be, you know, in the parking lot, that you have to be uh you know, under the pavilion, you know, before you can get into the cage, you have to be, you know, someplace removed from the cage. That's all well and good. If you're one of those coaches that really likes to talk, that's okay. But build that into your pre-practice time, your pre-cage time, so that the time that you get to spend in the cage is, again, productively getting swings
1: in. Tori, how many times have we gone to an unfamiliar ballpark And part of the whole pre-practice routine is scouting it out, looking around, you know, where can we set up a bow net? Where can we do the bunting practice? Where can we um, work on form swings? And it's kind of fun. Right. I I like looking around and trying to get creative on uh, how can we get the most done at this. It's usually a camp for us, but, you know, at this ball practice, what, what can we do? Right, and uh, try and figure out something fun, yeah
0: well, and part of the reason that this was an important topic is we know that for a lot of the people that are listening, they have limitations on how much time they have. If they're renting a facility, and you know if they're paying fifty bucks an hour to use a cage, that fifty dollars should be invested counts, in yeah. in getting as many swings in as possible, not in having a meeting that we could have out in the parking lot. Next one is, if you're the person pitching in the cage. You are the pitcher in the cage, not the hitting instructor in the cage. Now, if you want to have some sort of you know witty repartee where you're having sort of a conversation, kind of a a catchphrase or two that you use, you know, hey, explode through the ball, crush the ball, something like that. That's great. But when we're setting up to hit in the cage, because we've got limited time, we want to have the instruction done by somebody else. And if you're stopping pitching, and we mentioned this before, because you're also trying to do all the instruction. Again, we're wasting valuable time and va- valuable opportunities that we have with more swings in for the hitters to get more stuff done while they're hitting.
1: No, and I like what you said earlier, Tori, as well, is uh, you know if we don't have the opportunity to do something that's um, directly related to hitting, conditioning is wonderful. I don't know any kid that's really in too good a shape, right? right??
0: Yeah, Well, and it could be hitting specific stuff too. You sure. could have like a wrist roller
1: core. Yeah, you forearms. could have the, the hand yeah.
0: grip squeezer. Um, You can have those handy hand arm strength builders. There's lots of things that you could do um, that don't take any space at all that would really be beneficial for your kids and make them become better
1: hitters. Yeah, no doubt.
0: So the next one, and this is the time killer of all time killers. (laughs) We've got to teach kids how to pick up softballs quickly. Efficiently. So now, number one.
1: I like throwing them throwing them from one end to the other to see if i can get in the right bucket. you know sh-
0: shooting baskets then, But then
1: i get to pick it up again right yeah
0: but coaches here's here's thought number one invest in more batting practice softballs, instead of one bucket and we hit 15 balls and then we have to stop and pick up get go. two or three or four or five buckets you know in my cage uh, where i give lessons i've got a shopping cart that miraculously found its way into my possession i don't want to say that I stole a shopping cart because I found a shopping cart, but I guess it's kind of the same somebody, thing.
1: Somebody else delivered it to you. Yeah.
0: One day I had to uh, do some work because I have uh, kind of this uh, rack of things that uh, hold different bats and different tools that I might need. And so I was you know, doing a little bit of maintenance on it, so I had to tighten up a couple of the hose clamps, which meant I had to dump all the balls out. And just for grins, I figured, oh, I'm going to count them because I really never sat down and counted exactly how many I have. When the cart is really full, it holds about 150 softballs. That's awesome. Which means on a 30-minute lesson, it's unusual for us to have to... We definitely never have to refill the cart. Sometimes we'll grab an extra 20, 25 balls just to make sure that we've got a few extra just you know, to, to finish up so we don't have to waste time at the end. But if you don't have a shopping cart full of softballs, at least get two or three or four buckets. Sure. So whatever it is that when it's time for you to pick balls up, we've trained our kids how to do it quickly we get them into piles as much as we possibly can we take the buckets to the balls as much as we possibly can so instead of one player picks up three softballs and walks 40 feet to drop it in the bucket we kick all the balls at that end of the cage into one big pile we take the bucket to them and they all as quickly as they can get the balls picked up and put into the bucket make it uh, fun
1: see who can fill a bucket first right well yeah.
0: and, and what we started doing in camp which was the uh the thing that cured this is we would do a countdown and try to figure out like a reasonable amount of time for how long it should take to pick the balls up in a cage.
1: After twice you would uh, yeah. know. And yeah.
0: usually it would be about 15 or 20 seconds. And so I would start doing the countdown. And for every second I got past whatever the number was, everybody had to do push ups. Now not the kid who was hitting because they had to do their push ups after they got done hitting because we didn't want to take any time away from their swing. So while they were hitting, of course, they were probably distracted thinking about the 20 push-ups they had waiting for them because <laughs> there were two kids in their group that were shooting baskets instead of picking up softballs. Right. Um, you know, and there's nothing like that countdown when they start to hear all of a sudden 10, 9, 8 to see them hustling it's like happening. crazy to get those balls picked up as fast as they can. Now you've got to be mean spirited enough to make them do the push-ups at least once. Right. Right. Because otherwise they're not going to take it seriously. But The amount of time that gets wasted because one kid wants to be Kobe Bryant shooting fadeaway jumpers from 20 feet away that never gets a ball in the bucket or never gets a ball in the cart is one of the biggest time killers of all time when it's practice time, when it's uh, cage time. And again, uh, we want to get as much bang for our buck as we possibly can. We want to get as much done with that time as we possibly can. And and, And you will have to practice it. You do have to teach them that there's a right way and a wrong way, a fast way and a slow way to pick softballs up.
1: No, and I think too, Tori, I don't know if it's possible for everybody, but to have enough balls, like you're saying, so that you could get through one whole set. Right. So when we do gather, it would be a nice transition time to swap hitters and, you know, have enough to complete that one set.
0: Right. Yeah. Perfect world. We get to that 19 minute mark, and that's when we have to pick up softballs. So that the, you know, the group that just got done, they're all picking up balls. The group that's coming to the cage, if they get there before the group is done picking up balls, they can jump in and help.
1: That that would be a lot. I yeah. was even thinking just one student to the next within that group. Yeah, but to, know, so to, if it was 50 so it, 40 Right. If we're, if 60, we're going to
0: be dreaming yeah. the big dream, <laughs> let let's have a shopping cart with 150 balls in it. You can have your first group hit for 19 minutes, not run out of balls and then have time to pick them all up in that 1 minute before the next group comes in. That would be dreamy. Yeah. 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 Or 6 or 7 buckets. Yep. Okay. Now is that an investment? Yeah, but you know, again, you're spending forty or fifty or sixty bucks to rent the cage. Yeah. But let's uh let's spend a few dollars on a few more dozen softballs and then uh, we can get more of our more, monies, work done. More, yeah. more out of the cage time. All right. So then the next one is the next kid who's coming in to hit should be ready to hit. They should have treated this time like it's their on deck time. They should have their batting gloves. They should not have t- their helmet. Not tying their shoes, they should and- have their shoes tied. They should have their mind right. They should be, have worked on their timing so that the very first pitch they see when they step into the cage, they're ready to hit. And you know, we spend a lot of time working on four deep at practice. You know, and for those of you that don't know what four deep is, have to go back to one of the Everything Fast Pitch uh, podcasts and listen to it because we, I know we've Coach, talked about it Coach, again.
1: Coach Story, I got to go to the restroom though, right? Well... I got to tie my shoes? Then you're not going to get to I hit today. I can't find my batting glove.
0: Yeah, Then you're not going to get to hit today. Because we're not going to wait for you. So where's if, my helmet? So if, if, if Coach Don is having bladder control problems I, that I don't, day. I don't
1: want to wear someone else's helmet.
0: And uh, and has to run to the restroom, then that group's only going to have three hitters. And when we get to the end of that group, <laughs> then th- then Coach Don's out of luck, and I'm going to remember that when you're, I figure out who's going to hit in the three spot. You're,
1: you're not going to fill me into another group? Uh, just because. Gotta... No. Oh. No, because we're going to work on all that stuff
0: and, tr- and train all that stuff. So when we get to the cage, the cage is our...
1: It's go time. Yeah,
0: it's it's our. that's our game time. That's when we're going to be ready to go. I like and that. if it was uh, the bottom of the last inning and uh, you were out there playing shortstop... You I gotta figure, go? Yeah, you would figure out a way to hold it then. I gotta so, go. So there's a pretty good list of ways to make sure you get the most out of your time when you're using a batting cage at practice. If you're really lucky, you have a lot of flexibility. You can use more than one cage. Uh, you have a lot of space. You can set up a bunch of drills and things like that. There's lots of perfect world scenarios that we would like to dream about but the most important thing is that our attitude has to be how am i going to get as much stuff done with the time i have and for us as coaches that's on us if we let our kids dink around if we let them shoot free throws or or jump shots if one kid hits and we stop and have a pep talk with him after every pitch and try to give him instruction after every pitch and all of a sudden you know if we have other kids that don't get to hit or don't get to hit very much that's on us it's not on the kids because they don't know any better and so Come up with your system, streamline it, make sure it's as efficient as possible, and get as much time in the cage actually swinging a bat as you possibly can.
1: I was going to say, Torian, if we make it a routine, the kids know what to expect. They know what's expected of them. Each day that you do it, it's going to get more efficient. And that way, on game day, we can be excited about you know the product we're putting out there.
0: Right. And the same thing would hold true if you're lucky enough to hit on the field someday. Be surprised how fast the kids will pick the balls up because they want to hit it on the field as I much as more. they possibly can. I want
1: more, yeah.
0: Because there's no fence in the cage to hit it over. Right. So if, if we can teach them those good habits there, it's going to carry over to other parts of practice. So uh, that's going to wrap up number 107. Please make sure you check out uh, AndersonBats.com. Take care, take advantage of that EFP 20 discount. Also, go to Patreon.com everything fast pitch. As always, check out the fastpitchprep.com website. You can order your square cuts training discs there. Coach Don and I really do appreciate everybody's support. So if you're in a position where you can uh, uh, support us, uh, ask us questions, uh, give us information that uh, you would like us to talk about, we would love to hear from you. Uh, Fastpitchprep at gmail.com or fastpitch at gmail.com. So for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Torrey Stan. thanks for listening to 107. We'll talk to you soon.